Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. A good morning to you and welcome back in to BOL Daybreak. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, going to help set the table for you on this Wednesday, January the 8th, 2020. Coming up a little bit later in the podcast, we will check in with BOL Recruiting Analyst Hank South. We'll get an update. Alabama. Still out there making offers for the 2020 recruiting class after so much of the work was done during the early period. In fact, to the extent that now, uh, what, roughly half or more of those early signees have either made their way onto campus or are in the process still of doing that. We'll talk to Hank about that. And also, again, another offer out to a 2020 prospect, this one in the defensive backfield potentially for the Alabama Crimson Tide moving forward. And by the way, January the 8th, of course, a big date in Alabama football history. January the 7th, Tuesday, yesterday was, as a matter of fact, because on January the 7th, uh, 2010, you had Alabama taking care of Texas in the BCS championship game that year out in Pasadena, California, the first of five national championships that the program has secured under the direction of Nick Saban. Uh, Also on January the 7th, 2013, you had that third BCS title win for the Alabama Crimson Tide under Saban. That one in convincing fashion, as we recall, down in Miami Gardens, Florida, over the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. But on this day, January the 8th, two years ago, you know what happened two years ago on this day, right? That's right. Tua Tonga Vailoa hits Devontae Smith on a second and 26 play in the bottom of the first overtime of the 2018 college football playoff national title game. And the Alabama Crimson Tide defeated the Georgia Bulldogs by a score of 26 to 23 to capture the program's 17th national championship and the fifth, that's right, the fifth of the Nick Saban era in Tuscaloosa. Two years later, uh, almost to the day, Tua Tonga Vailoa, as we know now, on his way to the National Football League. Devontae Smith, on the other hand, making his way back to the capstone for a final season. And it's certainly been a newsy day, a uh, newsy few days uh, around Tuscaloosa, no doubt about it. And there's still some potentially big news to come. We've been tracking for you there at BamaOnline.com. The situation involving running back Najee Harris, who at one point seemed almost assured to move on to the NFL, uh, that hasn't happened as of yet. Uh, in fact, there seemed to be more momentum perhaps shifting towards Najee Harris returning for his senior season at the University of Alabama. We're continuing to monitor that situation for you. Now, you've got some important dates here to consider when it comes to these underclassmen. Obviously, the big one 
is January the 20th. That's the deadline for underclassmen to declare for the 2020 National Football League draft. Now, closer to home, today is actually the first day of spring semester classes at UA. And the last day that you can add or drop classes uh, at the start of the spring semester at Alabama is January the 15th, which is, I would think, important to consider in terms of eligibility status. Uh, If your plan is, in fact, to play football at Alabama during the 2020 season. So some dates to consider as well as we get this thing narrowed down to the last guy it would seem in Najee Harris when it comes to the potential to make that jump to the NFL. And Alabama, as we've talked about with Tim Watts on T, uh, Watts and TR, uh, you know, we've, we've certainly spent a lot of time on it on the round table there, the premium message board at BamaOnline.com. Now, it isn't a perfect situation. What Alabama is coming out of this with, the, the flurry of announcements here in the last week or two, uh, but all in all, realistically speaking, it uh, certainly could have been a lot worse. You know, to get back Dylan Moses, to get back Alex Leatherwood, to have Devontae Smith return to go along with Jalen Waddell at the wide receiver position. Um, you know, Tua, obviously, you know, that's that's a big loss, but it's not an unexpected loss. So all things considered, I'd say Alabama has come out of this in pretty good fashion. If you get Najee Harris for another year, that's obviously a big bonus. Uh, but again, it's a situation we'll continue to monitor uh, as as long as we need to. Right there at BamaOnline.com. And again, anything that happens of, of news or, or noteworthiness, uh, you're going to find it first right there on the roundtable at BamaOnline.com. You've also got some college basketball action to consider coming up at Coleman Coliseum later this evening. The Alabama Crimson Tide coming off that tough defeat over the weekend, last weekend down in Gainesville at the hands of the Florida Gators. Going to host the Mississippi State Bulldogs tonight. Again, at Coleman, tip-off set for 6 o'clock. That game is going to air on the SEC Network. If you're wondering who your announcers are going to be on the broadcast, well, you're going to have Roy Philpot on the play-by-play. Mark Wise is going to handle the color analyst duties for you. Both teams coming off losses from over the weekend. Again, as we know, Alabama uh, with a a tough defeat, uh, seeing a 21-point lead late in the first half evaporate before falling by six in double overtime to the Gators. By the way, Florida followed up that win over Alabama with a nice, a nice road win in Columbia, South Carolina last night. That combined with Kentucky taking out Georgia in Athens. Georgia coming off a an impressive non-conference win from over the weekend at Memphis. But Kentucky now 2-0 in the league. You've got uh, Florida 2-0 in the league now. Uh, but when you talk about Mississippi State and Alabama, both those teams 0-1. Mississippi State fell by 12 to Auburn uh, over the weekend at the hump there in Starkville. Uh, so a, a big game, even though it's very early in the not, in the conference season. Uh, two teams that really need a W because both these teams, both Alabama and Mississippi State, are looking at returns to the road coming up this weekend and what should be tough spots to get a win. 
Uh, Alabama, as we know, going to go to Kentucky for an early 11 a.m. tip-off central time on Saturday. You're also going to have Mississippi State going to LSU, traveling to Baton Rouge. So uh, that'll be a tough matchup for Mississippi State. This is a very talented Mississippi State team. This is a Mississippi State team that if you're Alabama, you really don't want it to come down to the paint or the, the post in all likelihood, because Reggie Perry at 6'10", 250 pounds, one of the very best overall players in the Southeastern Conference. Robert Woodard, the second, 6'7", 235. You know, those two guys in the loss to Auburn last weekend combined for 33 points and 24 rebounds. Uh, and Perry, you know, you look at the matchups last year between Alabama and uh, Mississippi State, uh, Perry was really good uh, in one of those two matchups. 18 points, seven rebounds. The two teams a year ago split games, both teams, each team winning on its home floor. Uh, so they'll do that again this year. They'll have a home and home uh, as they typically do. And so, uh, yeah, the focal point for Mississippi State in the paint with Reggie Perry, uh, Robert Woodard the second, Nick Weatherspoon at the guard position, his brother Quindary, you might recall from pre- previous years, now playing professional basketball. Nick Weatherspoon had 18 against Auburn over the weekend. And Abdul Adu, shot-blocking machine. Again, rim protection, paint play, getting on the glass. Those are areas where you expect Mississippi State and a lot of teams that Alabama plays this year to have a pretty decided advantage. Adu, over the weekend against Auburn, had nine blocks. Nine block shots as the Bulldogs had 12 blocks in all. Uh, None of that was enough, though, as Auburn took care of business by a dozen uh, in the SEC opener for both teams. So Alabama with that trio, John Petty, Kyra Lewis, uh, Jaden Shackelford coming off the bench. Those are your three guys right now that are averaging in double figures. Petty leading the way along with Lewis, both those guys at 16.6 points per game. Uh, Shackelford off the bench at 13. Uh, you've got James Beetle Bolden coming off the bench also. Bench is a, a strength for Alabama. There, there's not much question about that. You got Beetle Bolden providing what I like to call Beetle Juice off the bench at a little more than nine points uh, per game for the West Virginia transfer. So uh, it's not a deep Alabama team. But there are at least a couple of guys that can come off the sideline uh, and give you some productions like Bolden did against Florida last Saturday uh, with 15 in the loss to the Gators. Now, you know, Alabama comes into tonight's game leading the SEC in points per game at 83.9, right there at 84 points per game for Alabama. These two teams, I know when you think about Alabama, if you're an Alabama basketball fan at this point, you worry about the free throw line. Both of these teams are pretty much middle of the pack when it comes to free throw. Shooting state, just a tad under 71%, just like Alabama. Um, You've got actually two of the top three three three-point shooting teams in the league in this one tonight. Alabama, I know this sounds crazy, but Alabama second in the SEC right now in three-point shooting at 37%, Mississippi State at 34.5%, and again, protecting the rim. That's where 
Mississippi State is one of the very best defensive clubs uh, in the league. State second in the SEC in block shots at five and a half blocks per game. Again, with what awaits both these teams on the road, uh, really need W's. Both these teams need W's on Wednesday night. Only one is going to get it. Uh, The split you had last year. Uh, Nick Weatherspoon had seven points, four rebounds. We talked about Perry. He did have the big game uh, in the first of those two matchups, going for 18-7. and seven. Played just 20 minutes in that first matchup last year. Ran into some foul trouble in the Bulldogs' 83-79 to 79 loss here in Tuscaloosa. A year ago, guys like Robert Woodard II and Tyson Carter were coming off the bench. They are starters this time around. John Petty in that first matchup last year had 13 points to go along with a team high 19 points from the since departed Dante Hall. By the way, three-point shooting in that game here in Tuscaloosa last year, not exactly a strength for either club, a combined four of 34 for Alabama and Mississippi State from three. I know, I just told you, right? These are two of the top three three-point shooting teams in the league. Well, in the game here in Tuscaloosa a year ago, four of 34 between the two teams, including one of 15 for Mississippi State. Now, in the second game a year ago in Starkville, State pretty much controlled things. A 19-point win over Alabama uh, at the hump. Kyra Lewis did have 17 points and five rebounds in that loss for Alabama, which we talk about the bench and getting some juice and some production offensively from Bolden and Shackelford. In fact, you, you know, it, 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 I would think a bigger lineup to start the game tonight because of Woodard uh, and, and because of uh, – and because of Perry for Mississippi State, but Shackelford is capable if needed to start games, as we know. Uh, but coming off the bench with Shackelford and Bolden, you're going to get some offensive production there uh, 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 for the most part. Anyway, you know, we talked about football earlier, um, and we're going to talk with Hank South in just a minute and get a recruiting update from Hank. Uh, that coaching carousel continues to spin in addition to uh, some some talk about Najee Harris and what his plans ultimately will be for 2020. You've heard Steve Sarkeesian, the Alabama offensive coordinator, in connection with the vacancy at Mississippi State. Joe Moorhead dismissed by athletic director John Cohen after just two seasons on the job over there. Kind of a mess right now for Mississippi State. You got the feeling, or at least you would have thought, that if the plan was – at least semi in play since the end of the regular season, which is the feeling you did have with Joe Moorhead and his status there, his precarious position there at Mississippi State, that Cohen uh, probably had a good sense of who he was going to turn to almost immediately uh, if it did not work out with Joe Moorhead. Uh, And it hasn't really played out that way. Now, maybe Cohen thought, He had Joe Judge pretty much lined up, and then you see the New York Giants sort of swoop in there and hire the current or previously 
the assistant coach there with the New England Patriots, Joe Judge, by the way, spent a couple of years, was a part of the support staff at Alabama on a couple of national championship teams in 2009 and 2011 as a special teams analyst. He wasn't an on-the-field coach at Alabama for those teams, but uh, 2009 through 2011, Joe Judge was actually right here in Tuscaloosa working uh, in a support role for Nick Saban. So Judge ends up with the Giants. That kind of throws that uh, Mississippi State situation uh, into flux, I guess you could say, because the growing sentiment in the last 36 to 48 hours that was that Judge, a former player at Mississippi State, was the likely successor to Joe Moorhead there uh, with the Bulldogs. And that's not going to happen. Billy Napier, another former Alabama and Saban assistant, uh, had been linked early on in that search heavily with Mississippi State. Doesn't look like that's going to happen. Perhaps Napier now ends up in in Waco at Baylor because Matt Rule has moved on to the Carolina Panthers. Man, these dominoes. I know Alabama fans don't really like to hear that word right now, but those dominoes, once they start to trickle. And so Steve Sarkeesian has been mentioned with this Mississippi State job for more than a couple of days, a couple of days now for sure. I know that uh, our 247sports.com Mississippi State uh, site, jeanspage.com, Steve Robertson and the rest of the gang over there, they have had Steve Sarkeesian linked perhaps even to the point of having met already with John Cohen to discuss the the opening there uh, at State. Uh, but with the way this thing is sort of playing out, you're getting down the list now, it seems anyway, if you're John Cohen. So maybe it eventually does get to Steve Sarkeesian, Todd Grantham, the Florida defensive coordinator, uh, linked heavily with the opening now as well. Uh, previously, the defensive coordinator at Mississippi State under Dan Mullen. So the carousel is still spinning at at least one SEC program, and that one right now. Mississippi State, what if it played out that way? What if it plays out, you end up with Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss and Steve Sarkeesian right there at uh, Mississippi State? The two old uh, cronies, pals, co-workers, buds uh, on both sides of that uh, of that Egg Bowl rivalry. What about that? And so, look, we won't even start that in terms of how that could impact Alabama. Uh, Bryce Young, who was obviously a key target for Sark on the recruiting trail for the 2020 class, is in Tuscaloosa. He is signed with the Alabama Crimson Tide. Um, and so we'll see how it plays out uh, moving forward here as State tries to get that thing figured out. But when we come back to put a wrap on a Wednesday edition of BOL Daybreak, we'll be joined by my colleague, the outstanding Hank South, does a super job covering Alabama recruiting, obviously site publisher Tim Watts, a big part of that as well. But a quick conversation with Hank South on recruiting when Daybreak returns right here on the Built by Bama online podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And so it was on Tuesday. Some pretty significant news, I would say, as a 2020 prospect receives an offer from the Alabama Crimson Tide. Joining us now on BOL Daybreak, recruiting analyst, for us there at BOL, Hank South. Uh, Hank, let's get right to this. Ennis Rakestraw Jr., another one of these Texas defensive backs. I guess uh, there's some value in uh, the offenses that these guys go against out there on a weekly basis mm-hmm. in the Lone Star State. But kind of give us a little background in, uh, in regards to Rakestraw and maybe how this offer sort of came about here. Yeah, you know, we always talk about um, Alabama always doing his due diligence. They're always looking at senior tape and, and, and always doing evaluation. So, you know, there, there's might be a guy we're not really talking about in the month of December. And then after the early signing period, we're talking about him in January. And, and uh, you know, we've seen it every year with the early signing period thus far, uh, one of these late offers that, that um, you know, Bama gets interested in. And, and Ennis Rakestraw is, is one of those guys this year, um, you know, kid out of Duncanville, Texas, um, powerhouse program in the state of Texas you know, after his senior tape posted, uh, or, you know, after a senior season and, and coaches were able to go out and evaluate him and, and see him, uh, see him play, he started getting a flood of offers. You know, Miami came in, uh, Georgia came in, uh, South Carolina offered him and, you know, a handful of others. Um, and then today Bama came in with the offer and, you know, it, it's a big one. I, I was able to speak with him this afternoon. Um, you know, he, he said Bama was his dream school since, since he was a little kid, since he was eight years old, he wanted to play at Alabama. And, and so, you know, he, he's talking to Nick Saban today. He's going to get a, a, a visit or he's going to try to get a, an official visit set up and, and try to get that on the calendar. But, you know, it, it seems like this is this is one of those, uh, you know, visits that or one, one of those kids that, you know, if, if Bama does, you know, go ahead and give him the green light and, and wants him in the class. It looks like they have a good shot at getting him. So let's uh, let's get into, uh, you know, the, the process with this. Again, you talked about you know, late tape. Uh, getting into January, once that first uh, signing date is complete, uh, did you sort of get the feeling that that corner or defensive back was still an area that this staff wanted to address, you know, once we got into January? You know, to be honest, I didn't. You know, we we saw them add Ronald Williams in December, and he kind of looks like that immediate impact guy. And then, of course, you know, they, they signed Jaquez Robinson. They got um, Brian Branch, Malachi Moore, Christian Story. So, you know, it's, it seemed like, especially with the limited space they have remaining in the class, it seemed like they, they were probably done at the defensive uh, back position. But, you know, I think this just goes to show what, what they think about, um, you know, Ennis Rakestraw and his, and his tape and his ability um, to go ahead and put that offer out, especially with, you know, just a handful of spots left in the 2020 class. And we know that uh, you've got early enrollees now that are making their way to Tuscaloosa. From that perspective, from what you've been able to gather, as far as newcomers that are uh, on campus in Tuscaloosa, has that gone about the way that you, you, you thought it would in terms of the numbers and, and who has actually made it to the capstone to this point? Yeah, you know, pretty much the majority of guys have gotten on campus. Obviously, you know, everyone wanted to know when Bryce Young was getting there and he arrived on Sunday after he wrapped up the All-American Bowl. Um, you know, Des Moines Kennedy's on campus. Drew Sanders is on campus. Chase McClellan. 
um, made it out on Tuesday um, to enroll in Tyu Jones Bell is is getting there on Sunday. Um, you know, I, I think the majority of guys, um, everything has gone smoothly. You know, if there's any, um, you know, we're still as far as a, a guy, we're still kind of waiting on an arrival date for Malachi Moore is still um, a guy that's, that's, uh, getting all that sorted out with, with when he's going to move in. So, um, you know, beyond that, the majority of the class is, is uh, has gone as expected and, and, um, they're enrolling, um, uh, quite a group of, uh, early enrollees to get, um, a head start with this spring semester. Yeah. We know you're fresh, I guess, from San Antonio, Hank, and that all American bowl. And from what we were able to see on the broadcast Saturday, the game itself, and, you know, reading up on your reports and just sort of the buzz coming from that area and that event. Uh, certainly Bryce Young and Will Anderson, the outside linebacker, early enrollee for Alabama. Uh, I guess those guys didn't disappoint at all. No, yeah, it, it was the the Bryce Young, Will Anderson show in San Antonio all week. And I was really excited. Um, you know, we, we've obviously seen Bryce a lot and he, he's very fun to watch. We kind of we kind of expected what he did all week. You know, he, he didn't disappoint. He did exactly kind of what we anticipated him to do. He was the best quarterback in attendance in terms of performance and and then went out and showed it in the actual game, um, earning MVP honors there. But, you know, Will Anderson was a guy that um, our rankings guys really hadn't seen. You know, obviously everyone's seen a senior tape. It's incredibly impressive if you haven't watched that at this point. I think I think he had 22 sacks on the year, um, but you know coming in measuring he was about six three, um, 230 pounds, had 34 inch arms. So he's just you know physical specimen. But then he gets out on the field, um, puts just was putting guys on their back consistently. You know his speed. Our rankings guys kept raving about his speed to power, um, and it's very evident um, with you know him coming off the edge and so. I think Will Anderson played his way into a fifth star. You know, at this point, I'd be surprised if he didn't get one. All our rankings guys were pretty much saying he was going to. So, um, you know, he I, I think he out of all the, you know, all American games and, and uh, guys in attendance there, I think he was probably the guy that helped himself the most um, when it comes to rankings. There you go. Hank South does an outstanding job covering recruiting for us there at BamaOnline.com. Again, with the latest on Alabama's latest 2020 offer, uh, Ennis Rakestraw Jr., the corner defensive back from the state of Texas. You can read up more of that from Hank right now at the website, BamaOnline.com. And with that, we're going to put a wrap on a Wednesday edition of BOL Daybreak. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Built by Bama Online podcast. Keep it locked on BamaOnline.com. For everything Crimson Tide related, have a great rest of your Wednesday, everybody. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.